Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> so I uh, got a little question for you here. Hit me. So what is owed to a child by a parent over the course of the life? And mm. <laughs> what is owed to the parent by the child over the course of the life? And the context for this is from a, a, a like a radio story that I listened to mm-hmm. uh, that involved the author of a book called The Rules of In- Rules of Estrangement, mm-hmm. and it, the gist of the art the um, the story was that there's an unprecedented amount of estrangement between parents and children mm. that's been you know in process for the better part of five six decades oh wow for a whole host of reasons and it was just an amazing uh thing but the at the the root of it seemed to come down to you know what moral more what moral obligation exists if any mm-hmm. uh f- for um b- between the two parties Ugh, god i mean so my first my gut reaction was nothing that was my gut reaction what is owed nothing um, so that tells you what kind of person I am, but that also doesn't map to reality of how I live my life. And also it gets into the moral thing is one angle, but then there's like a parenting angle that I think is way more up for grabs. So, you know, parenting styles is kind of like, like I'm about as opinionated as it gets. And I still in general would never, now that I have kids, I used to do it, but now that I have kids, I would never presume to tell someone how to raise their kid i mean it's just comical it's it's just idiotic because it just seems to me now even between just the two kids how different they are never mind like a classroom of 30 or saying an entire school district or like general advice in a book about parenting i'm like come on like where do you even start so on the one hand i feel like I feel like the word moral, the moral obligation piece is a piece that kind of makes me recoil. I don't see it like that, but, um, cause that's, that, that, I don't know. Am I just getting hung up on, on that word and it's not that important to you or is that a key word? No, it's not. It's, it's basically, you could be getting hung up on it cause you could parse it by, you know, your individual set of morals or like some, some sense of what the dominant cultural or societal moral obligation is but take it more um as well let me step back so maybe we'll we'll get to a spot where that gets clarified so that what one of the one of the there are a couple of like high level like buckets that the discussion seemed to get into and one of them was around um how it used to be that and used to be like for all time Mm -hmm. that the parental responsibility was to provide a minimum amount of, uh, you know, basic needs mm-hmm. and it, any self-actualization on the part of the, of the progeny was on them. It was like, you got a house, you got, you know, three square meals, you know, your satisfaction is not what we're selling here. You know? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like universal basic income. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And, and it was the, you know the the parent the child had to earn the respect of the parent mm. and it has flipped apparently according to people that are studying this mm-hmm. that now it's squarely that the uh the parent has to earn the respect of the child and it's a very 
new dynamic over the course of history. It's also a new dynamic in the United States that is not held in other places. Mm-hmm. It's very much a, a, a symptom of extreme individualism. Yep. Um, it's on whose part? I guess the kids of the culture of the culture. I mean, you'd Mm -hmm. even, if you want to, cause we could trace individualism back, you know, to the, to the, the breakdown of the, uh, the, the family unit in the, in the fifties. So it used to be that you had these, well, here's, so here's another bucket, right? So the individualism is a really big point that they were making. The second one, oh, and the earning of respect. Um, but another one was just that the, the, the the sense of um of of a relationship like you said nothing is owed right like there is it's just my sense of happiness and whether this relationship with this other person contributes or detracts from my overall happiness yeah and before and in every other country around the world apparently except for ours with maybe some exceptions that this guy didn't get into mm-hmm. is there it's an it's an absurd question to 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 think that your relationship with your parents or the relationship with your kids or your extended family is only a calculus around happiness. It's, it's assumed everywhere else in the world, apparently that conflict is part of it and working through conflict is part of it. It won't always be about happiness. There's some good Mm -hmm. and there's some bad that comes with it, but there is an obligation beyond the self to the nuclear family unit, to the extended family. And then you, and then go out from there. To community, to country, you know, all those things. Every here we have like the shrinking of what I care about, which is me and my happiness and my self actualization yeah, yeah. and all of my needy, needy needs. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, right. So I think the moral obligation part is maybe not to get hung up on. It's more interesting, I think, to think about it in terms of is what's happening right now just like, and I and for me, I've got a number of friends who have are estranged from their families right uh three that mm. are are have cut people out well you know and and apparently it's this is widespread and common yeah. and i was like wow this is interesting that there's like a body of work on this but it led to like all right well anyway i'll stop there yeah. for a second and see what your reaction is so as you're talking through that i started i started to recognize that i'm just it's fascinating to me how hung up i am on the moral and the obligation part or like what's owed, like I just can't even make myself think about it like that because it it, pres- it presumes some kind of objective correctness or objective reality. And the way I think about it is way more like, uh, it's more like first principles, like foundational values and beliefs that I hold about the world where, where the world, I just sort of fundamentally believe that the world would be a better place if more people were, were more fulfilled which people will a lot of times say happy instead of fulfilled, but happy could be like, I want to eat a lot of ice cream and now I'm happy. That's not fulfilled. It's not right? meaning. So, yeah, it's not right. So like fulfillment, I think, I think at any age, pursuing fulfillment will make you happier and it will make the world better because it's, but that is based on an assumption that is very hard for me to imagine someone feeling fulfilled without being in service of others. So you could we could we could sort of debate whether that assumption is true or not like can you be fulfilled without with with a with a total self focus i guess you could i get would you call it fulfilled i don't know maybe you could i wouldn't rule that out but i do think it would be unusual it would be rare 
So to me, it's more like when I think as a parent, I think like, okay, what can I do? If any, I mean, to the extent that you don't have control over this stuff is like debatable in my mind, but how, what can I do that is most likely to lead my kids into being able to find fulfillment? Because I think that will be better for them and for the general population. So the obligation piece is like, well, it's a selfish motive. My motive is selfish because I want my kids to be fulfilled and therefore happy and therefore contributing part of society, like make the world a better place type stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of a hippie with those sorts of things. But the, the idea of having, um, you know, barring extremes that would that would fall under like illegal, illegal treatment of your kids. I mean, you know, I, I don't think obviously I don't think any of that is I don't think it's like Wild West, like do whatever you want, like your kids in a closet and like they can get their own food if they can get out, you know, like I don't see the point of that. And I can see why certain things should be illegal just from a human rights standpoint, regardless if it's your parents or not. But barring those extremes, I, I don't I don't think anybody owes anybody anything. I, it's just the way I operate. But I think that a, a selfish desire to achieve fulfillment in yourself and others, it, you can. Yeah, I guess we're getting into the word selfish now. It's like or in my head, it's like, is it really selfish if it helps other people, but you're only doing it because it makes you feel better to help other people? It's like, is that a selfish motivation or is that altruistic? Like, I like helping people because it makes people makes me feel better. I don't if it made me feel terrible, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> so like, but is that, is that a possibility? Can you help other people and make it, and, and that would make you feel bad? I think that's, I, I think that's impossible. I, I, I can't imagine someone being like, wow, I have, I have this moral obligation to help other people, but I hate it. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So take, take it like this for a second. So here, here is an example that they gave where, cause the, mm. the issue of like, you know, did you lock your kid in the basement? you know, versus, you know, you didn't, um, you know, wait at the bus stop for me every day yeah, you know, you was, was, was brought classes, up. Yeah. So the, you know, one, one example that was given, the guy that was being, uh, inter interviewed or the, where the discussion was happening has a clinical practice and he also does research mm -hmm. and in his clinical practice, like one example was, you know, a child of, uh, first generation immigrants, um, you know, uh, estranged, uh, the, the parents because they were harsh and um, unsupportive mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem like anybody disagrees with that at all like it seems like they really were but they came from like some totally like yeah, a different context yeah, yeah they came from a place where slavery was still happening and people were being tortured and beaten and whatever I'm just yeah you know sure they came from a place where there was real physical insecurity where there was real physical harm happening they mm. left everything behind got on a boat went to a like you yeah. go somewhere you know yeah. and they went to it and and set up a situation where th the child was protected from all of that harm given all this opportunity they're doing like the children are 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 doing you know are thriving to a certain degree and just because the context is so much right like yeah. they did all they sacrificed everything for themselves and their kids but mm -hmm. culturally they are so different and that's an extreme but take it like then narrow it yeah. to what's maybe more normal where you have a group uh, of boomers moving into their 70s or you've got a group of whatever we are moving into our 50s mm -hmm. and we're like i don't know what a pansexual is or or um you know, this whole pants. bathroom debate or, you know, the, yeah. it's 
there's a cultural gap that will exist between generations and there seems to be a growing intolerance with the cultural gap between these familial generations and what should be done to to bridge that or just trash the relationship you know what i mean yeah right okay i mean that that was in your original question i did get hung up on the initial part but it's like to me that's more a question of like uh is the generation gap getting worse or, uh, but you're right. It was all in your original question. Um, yeah, God, it comes down to like, well, what's, what's the point of the question? The like, point what, of the question is mm-hmm. like, how much discomfort should you have to work through to maintain, uh, family relationships? Oh, and, okay. and I yeah. think it gets, it gets very practical, especially as you've got, you know, an aging generation that yeah. is going to be needing care. Right. And there are, are a number of people that are um, like, again, just pulling from the article, 75, 80 year olds that are in this practice crying and sobbing. They were involved in their grandchildren, raising their grandchildren. Yeah. They have a heart. I guess they were having a, they were probably being shitty, you know, to the parents, judgy, mm-hmm. um, whatever. And they're, they're cut off. They're yeah. totally cut off. And so, all right. So you don't get the, the relationship that's sad with your your child and your grandchild but then right. now from a policy standpoint who's taking care of these people when they get older like as a culture as a society what are we doing with our uh, with our aging elders yeah who like they ever did you make mistakes as a parent How, will you continue to make mistakes as a parent like yeah i don't yeah. even think about it and, I, and it's like duh and and <laughs> also like daily we'll we will definitely um we have no clue what's going to end up on the therapy agenda for our kids. Right. Like, you know, like a dad said to me at one point, like, well, um, I don't know. I can't, I, I wish I could remember it better, but it was something about like peeing. And I think I was peeing? like, am I peeing right? Like for like 20 <laughs> years, you know? <laughs> and I mentioned yeah. it to him once and he was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? It's like yes. stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And, um, kids just pick out the weirdest thing because I, I have the same right. kinds of memories where like somebody said something random and it just totally haunted me and they don't even remember it and they couldn't have even known at the time. So like, that's, that's what I like. I don't even think about that stuff. And it's dad good. worries about that stuff all the time. Like he, he'll make these observations of the kids and then he'll torture himself afterwards and be like, Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. And, mm. and sometimes it did bother them and sometimes it didn't. And he, and, but like what's mm. underneath it, like he loves the kids and, right yeah you know, so um the thing yeah. about the thing about coming to an impasse and having to cut off relations that you know that does seem really extreme but in extreme situations i could understand it you know like and, and right now just the last five to ten years it's been so exacerbated with like you know all between covid and politics and the combination of the two dumped into social media specifically facebook and everybody's opinions like it's like your crazy uncle at thanksgiving but constantly and you know whatever your mom or somebody sharing something or maybe not even understanding or didn't even read the whole article or does genuinely believe it and and you genuinely disagree the breakdown of communications it seems like it's almost always a bad idea but at the same time somebody has to make themselves vulnerable to the other one in order to have a, a, a like an open conversation about something and that's you know that's emotionally stressful or it takes emotional uh, energy 
So I can see why, why it would eventually break down if someone is just failing to ever extend the olive branch or, or come to the table with an open mind and just being rigid and dogmatic and not honestly listening to the other party, whether it's the kid or the parent, is eventually eventually you're not treating yourself each other like friends even. Right. So like what relationship is there? It's just like, you know. As you're playing you, a show, right? Like yeah. Like, uh, this relationship works as long as I hide some portion of, of who I am and don't respond you know, honestly, uh, with don't chat, like, don't chastise you for saying something that, or let you know that something bothered me that you said to me. Mm. And then you're, you know, but I think that's like, if you dial it back, like that's all there was like there, there was the family was a thing that where, you know, where there was an obligation you could hear in the, in the interviewers whole vibe with this, Mm. that it was like, you know, of course we owe our parents something. And of course we should be tolerating, you know, these differences and these discomforts and the judgments and all this kind of stuff. Like, of course we should. And I was like, you know, I, there's just too much of a gray area for that to even be practical. You know, like if I like what the therapist guy was saying, he was like, you need to be able to communicate boundaries early and often, but you have to also understand the impact of what you're saying to somebody else, you know, like, and understand like that parents will do their best and bad things will happen. Like there is there, like you were saying at the top, there is no manual for this. Yeah. And the mix of my personality, I have three kids. Mm. Uh, my personality might be awesome for one of them and very hurtful for another one. I'll have yeah. no idea right. until later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, so two two things come to mind. One is I remember the first time I like uh, made Cooper cry, but totally by accident. I was just like, oh my God, I really have to watch my facial expression. I don't even think I said something, but that that was one thing. And then the other thing was, you know, the accident of birth, birth, like you don't get to pick your parents, right? And you don't really get to pick your kids. You know, maybe you could have more influence over them than they can have over you, at least in the first few years. Which Well, is there's help. always the hole in the backyard if you feel like you missed the mark, just, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> abortion should be legal until age seven um they gotta it's prove for the themselves. life of the, to save the life of the parent yeah well it's civically <laughs> save the life of the parent so it the uh, well look, look, look at a foster situation or an adoptive situation like they didn't they didn't give birth to you you or whatever but those those relations like to me the the accident of who your blood parents are is kind of irrelevant it's like it's still a relationship, but there is so, something different about family, and and I think it well, yeah, it, it has to do with like, and it's worth it. I my intuition is that it's worth more tolerance than you would give to not family, and it and it may even be not even a family thing. It may just be like how long you've known the person or knowing the person through your childhood, because there's something about like I think that's what it is the forgiveness that that you like the phrase inner child is like uh so dainty like it makes me like want to vomit but at the same time like if if i turn around and say you know what advice would i give my four-year-old about a problem and it would be so generous and it would be so empathetic and then how do i treat myself it's Mm. violently different but like if i (laughs) if i look at like you know who i am from from you know five years old to now Um, like it would be, I don't know. I'm kind of going, I'm kind of going off in circles here, but like, there's something to be said about 
people that you've known for that long. I don't mm. know exactly how to put my finger on it, but that, that to you, me, that's exactly what it is. That's why family's different. And because you've got shared memories and it's not even this conceptual shared history, even though that, you know, I guess you do have that shared history of stuff that happened that you didn't experience, but like grandma Adeline was like this and grandpa Gordon was like that. And remember when we drove out to, you know, you've got these shared memories and like, remember the time, like as people, you know, as I get older and people die, and one of them was like the only person I could say, can you, rem hey, remember that time to that person? Then it's like, it feels like a part of my brain died. Like that, no, nobody else has that memory now except for me. I'm the last one with that memory. And now it's like just depressing because you can't say remember the time. So I think the thing that's generally true about families, I think it's probably fair to say, is that they um, are going to have some level of shared experience that's the word i'm looking for not memory shared experience um, and they're all going to have their own perspectives on it and subjective uh, uh, opinions about maybe an event or whatever but it, you can say remember the time and then and everybody was there or, or to the extent that they were there more than people you met in college yeah you know but then the thing in college with me i was i have a lot of friends from college because we all lived together and we had just a massive amount of shared experiences. Same thing with early family, a massive amount of shared experiences. And probably the, I feel like that's what makes the difference. Not that they happen to share the same DNA. I don't think that's relevant, maybe at all. You know, I think there could be, I, I think there's a piece of it that's like right in line with what you're saying. Like for some reason, there's just, maybe it's identity. I don't know what it is, but there's mm. something to be able to try to, to be able to share like, um, like, uh, you know, your arms off. No, it isn't, you know, like, <laughs> you know, just there's, there's a truth. It, yeah, there's, it's just, there's pleasure in that. And, and I think that's all just a side note, you know, it's like, that's why I keep like bringing TikTok videos over to Christy. Cause like, I want to be able to share it and why it's so annoying being in a room with somebody else watching TV and they're on a screen. It's cause like you're, you're basically saying this shared experience is not enjoyable for you and you're doing this other thing. Yeah. So, but set that aside for a second. Cause my main right. point is I think there's this shared experience and whatever that does for us as social beings, cause mm -hmm. I, maybe that's the, what it satisfies there mm. is um, like, there may be an empathy component. Like if you kind of know somebody and they do something that's really crappy, um, or they do something that's really good. How well do you really know them? But if you know me over the or arc of my life, right. you might have a better sense that either, I, I don't know, maybe just that gives you a fuller picture. It's like, instead of the cartoon version of a person, that's like, they're all good or they're all bad. Like you just have a fuller picture or, or maybe it's worse. Cause you know, I'm just rotten all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. I was just thinking like, I noticed with strangers, it's much easier to be polite when it, it doesn't even maybe map, you know, it's like, why would you be more polite to a stranger than to like your wife? And it's like, I find with strangers, I do my best to give people the benefit of the doubt because I don't know them. I don't know what they're really like. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I generally believe that people are more good than mad. And if somebody's cutting me off in traffic or being a jerk in the store or something like that, I'm like, oh, I don't know what their day was. Like. I'm like one of those people. It's just like, ah, you know, they're probably having a bad day. It's fine. They don't, they don't, they're not purposely cutting me off. It's not like, it's not like they're mad at me. So, uh, although I am a pretty bad driver, so maybe they are bad at, mad at me. But on the other hand, so with, with friends and family, you know, if you've been, if you've been 
close with them for many years, you, you don't need to give them the benefit of the right? Like, like, I suppose under certain circumstances, I guess there's two ways to look at it. One is if the, the family member exhibits some behavior that's really uncharacteristic, then I would be like, what's going on, you know? And how, you know, how, like, what's the deal? Like, that's, that's, you know, let's say they do something really mean that, that really upsets me. If I know that that's highly unusual because I've got all that history, I'm much more likely to be like, either just forget about it and just be like, that's cool, whatever. It's something's, you know, and then, but if it happened again, then I'd be like, hey, is everything okay? Like, you seem really stressed out, like a little snappy. And, uh, and so that, so that, where that, in that, I think, scenario, the history is a good thing. And then I suppose they're the, with the benefit of the doubt thing, like I would give somebody the benefit of the doubt if they bit my head off and they were not like that normally and it was really weird. But if someone is always like that and you can expect it and boom, here it comes, here it comes again. And they're just constantly taking for granted, um, you know, the fact that you you're stuck with me. You're my sister. You're my brother. You're my son. You're my you know mother. You're stuck with me so I can just be the biggest asshole I want to be. Then it's like, well, that's not that's not okay. Like that's not building a relationship. And at a certain point, someone demonstrates that they aren't worthy of the benefit of the doubt, and they're just a jerk. Or, yeah, and I think that's yeah. that's what I was talking about before with like boundaries. And I think and I think they're the threshold is is subjective. Like what is what should be tolerable and what should not be tolerable. Right. And 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 what credit needs to be given as well like all of those things i guess what i would say is like when when somebody is not behaving like the kind of person that you want to have in your life and they're you know family like that yeah yeah. i think it takes like trying to have a fuller picture so like it feels like the parent let's assume that like the parent is doing things that are incongruous with the culture that the kid is growing up in because that seems to be like that would just be the case every time you know like culture progresses, you know, the next generation yeah. has a new set of values that are somewhat related, but different. And the parents are whatever. Yeah. Um, it seems like, like sexist or racist or, or at great examples, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. Or yeah, why you aren't should. you letting your kid, you should be making your kids go outside. Why are they on screens all the time? <laughs> like, what, like whatever the thing is, you know, like, yeah. Oh, when I was a kid, we just kicked our kids out of the house. And why right. are you guys, you know, any of a million things that are, right. yeah, that may be better, but like also please recognize that that you weren't a big hero. That was what your whole freaking culture was doing. And this yeah. is what my whole freaking culture is doing right now. Right. Um, yeah. Try homeschooling. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I guess like for the parent to be able to say like, um, like these are really important things to me. Uh, and I'm just, I'm saying them because out of concern for you. And then and the moment that comes out of their mouth, it should be like, oh, well, my concern is really going in the wrong direction right now. Cause it's not actually helping you, you know? Mm. Uh, but then the kids should, it seems like they should be saying, even though like, you know, these, holiday visits are really uncomfortable because you keep talking about whatever, you know, pick, pick your poison. Like, you know, I'm a Republican and you can't stand that. Mm. Um, like the just having the TV on the whole time, like we, the parent put in 18 years, Yeah, 18 years were put in doing like, let's just leave off the abuse, like, like the, the abuse at the margins and say 18 years were put in where the parent was, was arguably doing, what they could, you know, and, and under difficult circumstances or not, like, it's just, it's hard to 
Like what parent was like, like say it's all parents that were there trying to do their best. And I did really bad things as a parent. I remember, um, one, uh, I won't say which kid, but (laughs) there, there are two times that I did things that I, I, I feel horrible about. And one of them was one of my kids was really upset about the other one's birthday. And I remember taking the upset one downstairs and just going off going off screaming like and now i know like you said before a facial expression yeah when they talk about a facial expression they say dad was yelling at me Mm. while i was yelling yeah and then and that didn't that wasn't amazingly that didn't work i don't know why that didn't work i didn't know why she wasn't happy about her daughter's her sister's birthday at that point and just ready to go upstairs and have a good time oh you're right now she kept kept being upset i put her over my shoulder yeah. and left the house yeah. like there was a party upstairs yeah with people yeah i had her over my shoulder left drove in the car and drove to a park and sat in the car with with her while she was just completely melting down and while i was still furious like yeah. if i could take something back in my life that would <laughs> be it yeah and then there was another time when uh one of my daughters was you know upset and i got in her face like she'd she was inconsolable and just art, you know, going on yeah. and on and on. And finally, I just like raged at her, <laughs> and I, a hundred percent, that's either blocked out, that they've either blocked that out, or that's therapy material, or you right. know what I mean. But it, but yeah. it, I'm wrong on both counts because there'll be other things that I did. But I, I could easily see like that. I, I don't know. I, well, so I, yeah. So I, first of all, let me commiserate because. I also have two exact same kind of things where um, my whatever there's certain buttons that you can press on me that that send me into a rage and they're hard to find but they're there and uh, is it is one of them just past the rim of the anus like <laughs> you really got to look for it yeah oh, I got the whole fist in there doc um, so yeah it's like it's like combination of things happen. It's the same same kind of thing. Just like overboard freak out, and you just like lizard brain. You know, I th- this this behavior is unacceptable. But I'm not gonna sit. That's unacceptable. I'm gonna react in a way that they never want to witness again. And and the place where it happened, I can't drive by there anymore because it's so upsetting. Every yeah. time I think about it, it's the only thing I can think of because we were driving and I stopped the car and had a freak out and I can't even drive there anymore. It's like to, it just every single time I'm like, you are an asshole. Yeah. And it's the worst. Yeah. So totally know what you're talking about. Uh, so now, but now imagine, imagine, you know, it, we both can think of like two examples. Maybe there's four, you know? Oh but, yeah. Yeah. But now imagine if your parent is like that all the time or like right. on a weekly basis, that's, I mean, at a certain point, and again, it's totally subjective, but at a certain point, that's not a relationship. You know, you're, you are, uh, and of course, we're assuming they're like under 18, right? Because they're still in the house and you wouldn't be if that was, if it was an easy option to like, just get an apartment or something. But yeah, I mean, is, is that, so it's family. So we have to stick together, even though this person is like kind of a monster. So that's what it gets to where it's like, they're just saying like, I I think that's right. But I, I think, um, we can't be conflict averse, right? We have to be able to say your behavior is really upsetting to me and I need it to stop. And this mm-hmm. is the behavior and this is what I need. And I value you and I want it to stop. And then 
like it has to, they have to be given an opportunity to fail a couple times or not at, or like some amount there has to be some forewarning and some effort and and you couldn't place a rule on it but it should be like a substantial behavior it can't just be like you know the person's ripping on me because i don't have a salad fork every time we have a holiday <laughs> party you know like it like there's some standard for what the complaint is and then yeah. there's like enough forewarning and clarity about what what's the boundary and then yeah. the, like you're saying if the boundary keeps getting transgressed and the and the parent knows that estrangement is coming yeah that that makes sense to me right yeah and you said earlier uh, you mentioned the word empathy earlier which i think is critical i think empathy and vulnerability are two things that are in extremely short supply and would make everyone happier if they deployed them more regularly so it's, and it's not easy especially in the moment because you're all emotional or whatever you know and it's like so easy to lash back and escalate but that's the point and that's the point at which it's it would be great to um it would be great to be able to say like uh there's a, there's a guy that not to interrupt myself but there's a guy who talks about this all the time so from the 70s kind of like a self-help guru guy uh the book is called nonviolent communication and it's really good and it's minor it's minor word choice differences that if you know if you're looking for something tactical to do here it, there's minor word choice differences where instead of saying you made me feel bad or you're a jerk or that was too loud or what's wrong with you or any of that stuff you just say how you feel which is not debatable you know and it it, it's and it's not judgy it's just like uh, right now i'm feeling blah 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 and start the conversation off that way and and i'm not barely ever capable of doing (laughs) it's like not I'm not great at that. In fact, the words, what is, what, what's wrong with you is something I say. That's probably, that will definitely be in my kid's therapy notebook. It'll be like, you could say what's wrong with you. Like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) It's like, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Um, Well, I, I think the, I think that's good. One that I came to and don't, don't use as much as I, I should is, um, if the behavior, like trying to keep it in the moment, right? Like, you aren't uh irresponsible the action that you did was irresponsible yeah or, it's like separating like, the action from the person yeah yeah like you're much bigger than the thing that just happened but the mm-hmm. thing that just happened was was really thoughtless but you're not thoughtless you know or um yeah why are you acting like that and, and also not like rolling in all the baggage like instead of being like um you know you know that the, the you always do this. Well, I can't do anything about that. You know, what was the thing that happened? You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it is hard. Cause you want to, you want to like seize the teaching moment. Uh, but if, if your buttons were pressed, it's just like, it's oh, tough. Man, it's so hard when we're, when we're failing. I, I think, I think all the things I'm focused on that I did so bad are definitely not going to be the therapy thing. I think there's something more pervasive about me in the house mm. that is going to be, problematic for for at least, you know maybe a couple yeah. of the kiddos they'll seize on something random well i don't even think it's random I, I i think like i'm uh i don't know i think that i must be really hard to live with but i think i'm like no i i think i i think i am in a way that i don't yet understand and i, I will only understand later when they come back and say to me like you know you're like there there's going to be a right they're going to be there become individuals at some point yeah yeah and uh there's going to be 
I, I guarantee you it's coming. I, I don't know what it is yet. Like <laughs> Christy, I think is having it out, you know, with them in the moment. She's much more transparent. Like what you see is what you get with her. Mm. But I think like I live in a much more dualistic way where I'm less in touch with how I feel and more all about like what I think I should be and should this and I should be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yet they like they know the the reality. Like just as an example, because I think this might be super vague. Is like if I think. I shouldn't be upset about something. Maybe I'm trying to say that I'm not upset, but like everybody knows I am kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you, I feel like you're putting, I mean, no, there's no, this is, this is like platitude, but like, obviously parents are not perfect and, and neither are kids by the way, you know, but they've got more of an excuse, I suppose, because they're still working things out and, and, whatever going through puberty and all the all the things right they're just trying to figure everything out so i don't really yeah i'm not feeling bad about the parent like parenting in in general i'm i just i was just seeing i i thought it was very interesting because of all Mm -hmm. the estrangement that i see in my inner group right right. like my close group Mm -hmm. and then to hear this radio show about how this is like an epidemic Mm you know, overused word, but it's happening a ton. And then there's all these like societal kind of undercurrents and tides that are um, contributing to it was very interesting to me Mm. because I do feel like it ties into some of our other conversations around the individual serving size. Everything's got to be perfect for me. Mm. I'm going to cut everything else out. Um, that's conflicting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have my, my feed, my bubble, you know, my people, you know, yeah. that don't challenge me and that aren't, and forget about like, not just challenge me, but like are straight up difficult people that don't even, it's not like the, what is it? The, the hard stone sharpens the blade. Like <laughs> it's not even a hard stone sharpens the blade. It's just sucks to be around this family member. Yeah. Um, and there's no benefit to it, you know, apart from just the shared experience, you know? Right. I, you know, I guess it, it is sort of true. Like the accident of proximity in the just the physical nature of the real world is that you're thrown into this pressure cooker of a house or apartment with a bunch of people you didn't pick and are probably you know whether or not they share dna they're all going to have different angles and personalities and and it's not going to be it's not going to be smooth all the time and you throw in like money pressures and not enough space and everything else so it feels like you would have an opportunity to potentially to develop before the internet, basically, you were kind of stuck. It was like you only had a choice of like 30 possible friends from your sixth grade or whatever, and you're not going to like most of them probably. So you're only going to be really close with a couple or, you know, a handful. And that, that's it. Like that was it. You just had, you had so little choice in terms of like who you're going to associate with. Well, even roll it back further, you know, before the roads and the cars and you're living in a three generation household. Yeah, Dunbar. Yeah, right. Exactly. So you're you're thrown into this mix where you you're not the most important thing in a house. Like if you've got two parents and one kid, like it's pretty pretty good odds that that kid's going to be uh, not spoiled, but like get lots of attention. But if you're in a house with like you know two octogenarians, maybe four, and a couple of parents and nine kids and not enough room or definitely not enough money. You're not going to be the center of everyone's universe, right? You're going to you're going to pair up and you're going to bond with different relationships in that group. And now that you can find people who are like passionate about Romulan calligraphy and just hang around with them online 
or like furries or I don't even know what that is, but like they, they can just hang around and uh, be, I'm not, I don't want to say a one dimensional relationship, but it's, it's not like, you know, you were climbing trees or anything. You're just talking about Romulan calligraphy all the time. And maybe that's the focus of the thing, but you feel really close with them because they share this. You, you were able to find 150 people on planet earth who are on the internet. They're into that bizarre, you know, niche hobby that you have. And, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, you know, you get into a Discord room or like a Slack room or a Twitter thread or something or, or a subreddit that's really into this one thing and you can get your socialization jollies there. And then it's like, oh, you come back to the real world and like, ugh, freaking Trump supporter that I live with, you know, and it's just like, ugh, I've got friends. I don't need you. Yeah, that, but, that came up on the on the thing as well was like that was a thing that didn't used to cause estrangement but which does one? now the politic the political thing yep. yeah there's some real there's some real hot button issues that are i mean re- even worse than that now i mean i think there's stuff that's even worse than that now like the all, all of that stuff from the from the the trump era but like a lot of the things that happened during that administration a lot of the you know the blm and defund the police and uh all the lgbtq stuff like all of that stuff me too all that stuff is just as hot now maybe not quite to the boiling point where there's riots and stuff but it is still right there right under the surface and it's so easy to fight about it's so easy to say the wrong thing and it's just like god and and it's almost like when like whenever whenever i step on one of those landmines i always feel like i always feel like twitter you know if like erica if i say something that she's just like you can't talk like that like that's that's you're the problem kind of thing and, and it's not just she's wrong, but whenever it happens, I feel like Twitter is coming through her at me, you know, and it's like, wait a second. <laughs> do you, it's like, it's like, do you remember me? I've known you for 20 years and you know, I'm not a dick. So, okay, I'm willing to listen, but it feels like I'm getting yelled at by the internet and not by her, you know, right. it's like, fine, yell at me. That's fine. And she doesn't yell at me, but I mean, you know, if we have a, a heated conversation about whatever me saying chick, you know, and it's like. But, you know, and we can get, you know, she'll have a point and I'll be like, okay, that's a good point, you know, but it's, it feels, it feels very, it feels like the internet, the Romulan calligraphy group and, you know, maybe for them, they just can't stand Klingon calligraphy because that's just wrong, obviously. So, you know, and if I mention Klingon calligraphy and then I get like this stream of bile from the, from that social group that I'm not even aware of, like, I don't even know about any of these arguments and they almost don't even make sense. It's, um, I feel like there's something there. Like I've experienced something in that area and it's very hazy to me, but it feels like, oh, here's, here's an example that happened where I was, I used to be on a podcast on a, it was like a panel show, a rotating panel. And there'd be like five or six people, any given show. And one of the guys, the main guy was also on a bunch of other podcasts. And one of the other podcasts he was on, the co-host on the other podcast so someone i don't even know it's kind of like a, a colleague of a colleague uh spouted off a bunch of stupid shit just like a real ding that you know like he just went off the deep end like libertarian kind of nazi craziness okay so and and me and everybody else that was a panelist on this show I, that i wasn't even on anymore started you know people are blowing up my twitter feed being like you have to say you have to condemn this guy and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about and they're like try harder pay attention and i'm like no i seriously what are you talking about you're just acting like you and i was just like 
you know, there was like no, um, it was pure outrage. It was like pitchforks. Yeah. There there was no, there was no chance I could say anything that was going to get heard. I feel like like, there's, there's two really important parts to that one, one of which I'd like to, to try talking about again in, in the future. One is like the, this, on the one hand, I feel like sticks and stones. And on the other hand, I feel like language is powerful. Yeah. And, and so I don't, I don't have a healthy way of reconciling that at this point. That's a good point. I, I struggle with, with those two things. things. Yeah. And cause it's like, cause I can come up with examples of where I know language is oppressive uh, and where it was pervasive to the point of being like pervasive, it was pervasive yeah. and hurtful and, right. and just language. So mm-hmm. not, it was sticks and stones wouldn't have worked. And then the other thing is, is the, the, you know, the complaints and how, how complaints are managed and handled. And something that I f- wonder about is like, there's a lot of complaints going on with and it's the balance between entitlement and um and responsibility so mm. we talked oh, a little bit about this one time before where it was like if you don't like if you don't like the thing you're more than willing to do it yourself like go ahead and do it like I, i'm not under an obligation to do it the way you like and mm. I, this won't, i don't know if this is like well developed enough thought to even get across what i'm trying to say but it feels yeah. like when people are making those types of complaints they're 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 not doing anything right they're not they're not making anything they're not on the Critic, they're not on the hook yeah like all they just get to be a critic yeah and i don't feel like people like i don't feel like there should be a higher bar to being able to being able to be a critic than there's a platform for it you know <laughs> yeah, like, like twitter is that's like and, what twitter is like and, where you go to yell and at the same time like I don't know some of it is about responsibility but if the real issue that i feel like they would be getting at is all right well you were like say you were on if we roll it back pre-internet and say you know um this guest was on the tonight show with johnny carson and he said these crazy things right. like is johnny carson under an obligation later to say i don't believe in those things like well it was, give him a platform it was the guest that. you know yeah, that that right. did it you know i don't know it just the the right the platforming issue mm. i guess but like sam harris is an ex- example of uh a guy that i i don't listen to as much as i did before but he would get a lot of guilt by association and yep. where he would be responsible by association for other people's behavior and that seems that seems weird like because he has a whole body of work that you could go through mm-hmm. to know how he views these things so like it's like did you do your homework before you were coming down on him to know like where he you know yeah, what i mean it's not. like no it's right it doesn't boil down easily to a sound bite and therefore people just read the headline and they start screaming and and not that people never should scream about stuff i'm not saying that um it's just like well what's the what's the point of the screaming? Are you really trying to make things better or are you trying to virtue signal and all that whole argument and, and just like say, yeah, you know, uh, we're, we're the good guys and you're the bad guys or gals or whatever. And, and is it, is it a, is it valuable to be a critic, you know? And Mm. like in the few times when I've gotten read something online and, and like sent a, Oh, you know, I got to send my point of view on this, you know? (laughs) Like, 
I can't I, come to bed. Someone I've is always, wrong on the internet. I've always felt really <laughs> dirty afterwards. Like yeah, I, I did something wrong. Like it was like gross. Like gross. it didn't do anything. And it just put all this more crap out there. Yeah. And where was the empathy? Like, like you were talking about with the cutting off, like when I cut somebody off, it's, it's circumstantial. When they cut me off, it's bad character it's on punitive. their part, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so to loop it back, cause we got I know we both have to run, but to, to loop it back to, so you got all the, we got into this because of all these issues that are almost untalkaboutable and, and, and if you've got someone in the house or tightly in your life, you know, grandparent and you've got kids, grandparent of your kids, it's, it's really hard to not just turn into two like internet mouths parroting the, the, the side of the, the position of their side and just talking right past each other and not, not, not actually looking for any kind of um, common ground or, you know, it's like, it, it's almost, it almost is like, now I feel like talking about negotiation and, and well, and it makes me, makes me just think like, I, I feel like the problem is if, if the expectation should not be that with people that are close to you, that it, they're only going to be making you happy. Right. That, 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 to me is too high of a standard. And I feel like what they were getting at in this article was, you know, people are, are further receding into a bubble of one Mm -hmm. and, and doing the calculus and saying like, this person is a net negative for me. Yeah. So, and it discounts like, again, the 18 years that were put in bringing Mm -hmm. you up. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also is it's also super selfish. Like they put in 18 years on the front end and you're about to, you know, shit on them, you know, in the, the last 10 years of their life. That's well, like know? I said to dad when, when uh, grandma and grandpa were going through, you know, their end of life situations. And, you know, he, he was, and he's really good about talking about that stuff. Actually, it always impressed me. Um, and, and he was like, oh, well, we're trying to, you know, I'm, talking to the brothers and we're kind of disagreeing about this or you know just he would be making decisions about stuff and he'd be in the throes of it and i'd be like well be careful because whatever you do to them is what we're going to do to you (laughs) 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 so meanwhile like he's almost psychotic with how like i'm gonna say it was 15 years ago or 12 years ago or something like that he was like okay well we just don't want this to be you know difficult for you you and your brothers and sisters so we have it all planned out and like we just don't want to be a burden to anybody and i was in college yeah i was in college when they had that conversation it was great it's awesome it was good yeah i don't think it happens very often no no on that note (laughs) i gotta go make dinner yeah all right dude man we got like kind of kind of cool topics for future conversations sweet (laughs) have a good one all right man take it easy